0: If you have Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, There are Bibles in the pew in front of you if you need one, and then if you have a device you're going to look up something on. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm Petey, one of the pastors on staff. I work with Melissa and Jake and with Rich and others who just make this a wonderful place, and uh, just glad to be with you all tonight. It is a question that has been on our hearts going into this fall, is what would make this fall better than the last. And your last fall may have been just fine, but but realizing that we all, as we transition from the pace of summer into the, the rush of busyness that defines our falls, we often have really good intentions about how we're going to live, and yet it kind of gets washed up in the whirlwind of all the, the busyness that will come in the coming weeks and months. In fact, the signs of, of fall are already around us. Uh, who has been to the fair already? Raise your hand if you've been to the fair. Oh my goodness, pretty, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, who starts school in the next few weeks? Anybody raise your hand if you start school as a student or a teacher in the next few weeks? I see some really tentative kids raising hands. I don't know if that means you like don't want to get called out or if you're just nervous about going to school, but you can put your hands down. Uh, there's so much that's, that's coming up and that's going on. And, uh, and we are excited for it and excited for the fall. And we wanted to just look at what would it look like for us to learn to follow Jesus and to live with more than good intentions this fall. So we've looked at rest and Sabbath and, and taking a pause in our lives. We've looked at serving. We've looked at being thankful. And tonight the question I want us to, to ask is, Why do we so often desire to be transformed and to grow in our faith and yet we find ourselves staying stuck? Why why do you desire to grow? You desire to follow Jesus. You desire to, to grow in your faith and yet we find ourselves doing the same thing we've been doing over and over and over again, hitting our heads against spiritual walls. Why does this happen? So, I have a friend who told me the story of a guy he knows who is really competitive about packing for trips, really competitive about packing for trips. He cannot stand if he shows up for a road trip or a flight and someone has a smaller bag than he has. Some of you are probably like that. You like to pack as little as possible. Some of you are the opposite of that, right? You, you will pack as much as the airline or the car will allow you to get away with. But this guy was really competitive. He loved to see how little he could pack for a day trip or a two-week trip. And he was meeting a friend for just an overnight flight. They were going to fly across the country, go to an event fly back the next morning, and so this guy, he packed as small of a bag as you could possibly imagine. He was so proud of himself, and he just knew he would show up and have the smaller bag. So he's walking down the terminal, and he sees his friend, and his jaw drops, because his friend has nothing on him. And he says, where's your bag? And the guy goes, it's just an overnight trip. (sighs) What about extra clothes? I'll just wear the same thing tomorrow. What about toothpaste and a toothbrush and deodorant? Well, the hotel will have that. He <laughs> got outpacked by a guy that brought nothing. It's amazing. What it reminded me of was how many of us live our spiritual lives, our lives with Jesus that way when it comes to prayer? How many of us are trying to get away with following Jesus and we try to pray as little as possible? We do the bare minimum. We try to pack as little prayer into our lives of faith as we can possibly get away with. Now, I know some of you are amazing prayers. We have an amazing prayer team. Some of you pray uh, constantly. You pray all, all the time. But I would imagine that most of you are like me, and I confess this is true of me. We often will go through seasons of our faith where we try to live with Jesus with as little prayer as possible. And what this has to do with power is, when we lack prayer, we lack the power for transformation in our faith. When we lack prayer in our lives with Jesus, we lack the power for transformation. I want to show you that this morning in Ephesians chapter three. So. If you're already there, picking up in verse 14. I'm going to start reading it, then I'll back up and tell you what's happening. So, verse 14, the Apostle Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus, and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth gives its name. So, Paul's right there. For whatever reason that I'm going to explain to you. For whatever reason, he is driven to his knees in prayer, meaning that he can think of no way to proceed to answer the dilemma that they're having other than to drop to his knees and say, God, you have to take care of this. I can't. It drives him to his knees in prayer. So what is it? Paul, in the first three chapters of Ephesus, has laid out a beautiful theological statement on who God is on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and what that means for our lives I encourage you to go back and read over and over again the first three chapters of Ephesians are some of the most beautiful theology you would ever read on what Jesus does for our lives but what he says right before this is I've been trying to live this life for years And it has resulted in suffering and hardships. It has not been easy. And so Paul is writing this to a group of people who have been convinced. They have said, yes, we love Jesus. The Jesus way of life is a way for us. We want to give ourselves over to it. And Paul says, if you want to give yourselves over to this way of life, it will drive you to your knees in prayer. It will require prayer for your life. And he gives them this prayer as both an example and as encouragement in their faith. Now, I'll stop there and say prayer, just as a, as a word and as an idea for many of us, has all kinds of baggage. That when we think about prayer, some of us think about long, windy, unscripted prayers. Some of us think about very rote, structured prayers. We think about Presbyterian prayers and Baptist prayers and Catholic prayers and Lutheran prayers. We think about prayers before dinner and prayers at services. And, and we think about all kinds of prayers. And I'm not, this more, or this evening, speaking of any specific type of or length or scripted or any kind of prayer. When I say prayer, I mean... That there is a human practice that goes back from the beginning of humanity where, where people have entered into prayer to submit themselves to God or, or gods. That, that throughout history, it's not just a Jewish thing or a Christian thing or any other religion that humans have prayed as a way of saying that, God, you are powerful, you are in control, you have the authority in my life. And so prayer, as I'm talking about tonight, I want you to think about it primarily as submission. But I am reminded that submission can have a weird connotation for some of us. So when I say submission, I just mean that we're saying we don't have it all together, we don't have it all in, contr- in our control, we need help. And we need God to help us. So so to submit to God in prayer is to say, God, we desire and need your help with whatever it is we're going through. And we're making space for you to work by giving up our own capacities to, to be in control and to take over and be in charge. That we are submitting to God's power and letting go of our own authority and control and power. That that is what prayer is. And so with that in mind... As we think about Paul leading these Ephesian Christians to to wrestle with how they might live a transformed life, how they might have power to have a transformed life, he offers them this prayer. I want us to see the prayer as a key to us understanding what the power for a transformed life might look like. So verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So let's stop there. There are three petitions in the primary body of this prayer. There are three petitions. They all start differently, but this one starts with, I pray that out of his glorious riches. Now, the point of this clause, if it ends with the word faith, That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. The, The point of this clause is that your strength would be, your faith would be strengthened. That your faith would be strengthened through prayer and that you would understand who God is for you. Now, it is possible for sure to have faith without prayer. But what he's trying to get them to see, if they are to live with power in their lives, if their souls are to be strengthened because of their faith, then it is crucial that they have regular patterns of prayer in their life that remind them of who God is and what God has done for them. That if they are to live a transformed life in the way of Jesus, that it will require them to be people of prayer because prayer is what strengthens their faith. It allows them to properly see who God is and what God has done for them and who they are and who they should be in light of what God has done for them because God has glorious riches. So that's his first prayer for them. The second one picks up halfway through verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. How wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. This is such a beautiful prayer, by the way. You can get lost in the beauty of the language, but what he says is, I pray that you would have power to grasp Power to know, power to understand, power to cling to how wide and high and deep and long is the love of Christ. Now, this is important because I don't know about you, but I don't regularly interact with messages in the world that desire for me to testify and to know how great God's love is. Meaning the things that I often watch and read and listen to and see, the messages I receive all day long from all kinds of media and forms, do not reinforce God's deep and high and wide and long love. They are not pushing me to, to, to hold to and be rooted and established in the love of Jesus Christ. And so without it, without prayer... We find ourselves unable to stand in God's love and that visual of high and deep and wide and long that we could look around and that God's love is so big that it's unfathomable for us. That it's only through a life of prayer, it's only through the practice of prayer that we can submit ourselves to God's love, that we find ourselves standing rooted and established in who he is and how much he has loved us. And then verse 19 gives us the third petition. It's a little shorter. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, that sounds a little strange. I get it. But one of the things that Paul has been saying over and over in Ephesians so far is that that the church becomes, the church, the people of God becomes a dwelling place for God's Holy Spirit. The temple, the temple for a Jewish man like Paul would have brought up visions of God's presence and God's power and a reminder that God was tangible in the midst of the people of Israel. And so what he's saying is that if Christ's love dwells in you, then you are in the world. Collectively as a body and individually where you live, work, and play as a representation and as a reminder that God dwells in you and that he is real and that he was powerful and that he is engaged in the world. And so his, his prayer is that for you to live a transformed life would mean that you become a living, breathing representation of God in the midst of the world. And then the prayer wraps up with this really beautiful Doxology, where it praises God, that Melissa had us learn earlier in the children's sermon. We'll come back to that at the end of the sermon. But let me, let me just stop right there with the text and, and remind us that, that prayer is not, uh, I'm not saying that prayer is some magic formula for having a transformed life. We believe that the power for a transformed life comes from being rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. That in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul has told us in no no unclear language that that it is only by grace through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection that we have the hope of a new life. That we have been made alive in Christ. And that it is not a work of our own but it is a free gift of God. It is not a work of our own. Uh, We cannot save ourselves. He is saying this is simply us learning to lean into the salvation that Jesus gives us and learning to let it transform our lives. But if, if power comes from a relationship with Jesus, I am saying that prayer is the primary way we've been given to access that transformation and relationship with Jesus. So what do I mean by accessing that power. Let me try to give you a picture. It's going to be a curveball, I promise. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of a game called Pokemon Go. Huh? Huh? Pokemon Go? Keep your hand up if, you, if you've ever played a game called Pokemon Go. Uh, I'm doubting some of the hands. I'm not saying stay up, but it's okay. It's a little embarrassing to have played a kid's game. Thank, thank you. Right there. Thank you, Ben. Uh, so... Pokemon Go is a game that you can play on your phone based on a technology called augmented reality. And so you can hold your phone up in front of any sort of live scenario and it will project a virtual, uh, anything virtual on top of it. So you see all these places, even if we were here in the sanctuary, you could hold your phone up. If there was a a little digital monster right there in in the aisle, we could engage with it through augmented reality. Augmented reality takes something which is previously unseen and it gives you the possibility of seeing it and engaging with it. And so prayer does this in our lives. Prayer takes things that were previously unseen and brings them in front of our eyes. It makes them visible and tangible and accessible to us that we can see them and we can act on them. It takes the spiritual realities and it makes them real and thick in front of our eyes that we can live into the life that Jesus is calling us to. Prayer gives us access and the ability to act upon the power of a transformed life. Prayer gives us access and the ability to act upon the power of a transformed life. So prayer helps us see the world in a different way. And many of us have experienced this. Have you ever been praying for someone, intentionally praying for someone, and then the next time you see them, you remember, how's how's your mom doing? How's your son? How's your sister how, how is that job search going, right? Because you've been praying for them. And then we've also experienced the opposite where we have found ourselves not thinking about those things and we see someone and we completely forget, oh, I forgot that you were going through that. And so when we pray for something, we're changing the way we see the world. We're changing the way we see people. We're changing the way we see our neighborhoods and our schools, and our workplaces, and even our church. We're changing the way that we see ourselves, changing the way that we see Jesus. Because as we pray, we're learning to have eyes that submit us to what God is doing in the world and what God desires for us. Prayer opens our eyes to previously unseen realities. And therefore, to live a transformed life without being able to see those realities seems impossible. So many of us stay stuck because we don't have lives of prayer and because we don't see the thing that God is calling us to. You can't move towards it unless you see it. And then once you see it, prayer allows you, it gives you the confidence, the inner strength to keep moving towards it. It's what Paul is praying for. The Ephesians, that they would have strength in their inner being to cling to who God is and that they would learn to act upon it, that it would change the way they live in the world. It would change the way they treat others and the way they approach their resources and the way they approach the blessings they've been given, that it would change not just how they see the world, but how they move towards what they see. That it would change our lives to pray. It seems like such a simple thing. And I realized that I'm not giving you a a five-step plan to pray. I'm not telling you you should pray once an hour or once a day, once a week, once a month. I'm not telling you you should pray before every meal. I'm not telling you you should say long prayers or short prayers. I think we have to wrestle with and figure out what prayer looks like for our lives, but what I'm telling you is it's probably more than what most of us are trying to get away with in our lives now. So if you desire to live a transformed life, it begins with submitting ourselves to God who has loved us deeply in Jesus Christ through prayer, through inviting God to transform us, to transform the way we see the world, and to transform the way we live and breathe and act in the world as well. Now, I know that we come in here from all kinds of places Um, we're we're carrying all kinds of baggage. We will walk out of here into all kinds of stuff. I know many of us are hurting. Some of us are celebrating. Some of us are looking forward to next week. Some of us are dreading next week. Some of us are dreading uh, the next month, the next year. We We are those who have had our hearts broken. We are those who Are delighted and euphoric over newfound friendships and love. We are those who are a mixed bag. We have all kinds of emotions going on in our lives. Paul wrote the prayer in Ephesians to a group of people who lived in a messy and chaotic world and was trying to get them to wrestle with what it would look like to continue giving their lives over to Jesus and to let Jesus transform them regardless of what they face, good or bad. This evening, I would like to offer you the same prayer. I would like to offer you the prayer that Paul offers the Ephesians. That for you, no matter where you've been or where you've come from, no matter what you think about the days ahead and how you're feeling, to know that Jesus loves you. And that God desires to work in your life. And so what I'm going to ask of you is to stand. If you're able, please stand. And if you would receive this prayer, I'm going to pray it over us using the words of the message translation. So slightly different than what I've been teaching from tonight. I'm going to ask you to put your hands out that you would receive this prayer. And that you would receive it as one who is trusting that God is far more capable of transforming your life than you are transforming it on your own. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Keep your hands up. So as you go through your life, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ would live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you will be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love reach out, reach out and experience the breath. test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, far more than anything you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deep and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Christ Jesus. Glory down through all generations. Glory through all the ages of history. Oh yes, let it be so. Amen.